I hope that before walking into the building this evening, you had a chance to look at the sky and to see the very, very thin sliver of the moon, the crescent, just like a fingernail hanging there in the sky next to a bright star. Giving us an example of the activity of Dharma, the activity that manifests everywhere and in everything that we can experience in the coming and the going, in the arising and the disappearance of phenomena, of feelings, of thoughts, of space and time, and whatever you would like to describe in this way. No matter how hard we try to find something that does not fall under the activity of Dharma, we come up empty. Empty in the sense that we don't find anything, but also empty in the true sense of the Buddhist Mahayana teachings that there is no selfhood. There is no inherent personality, identity. There is no real individuality. In fact, if you carefully read the Diamond Sutra, or even not that carefully, you will hear very often that a bodhisattva is not a true bodhisattva if they still have an idea of a separate identity of selfhood and individuality or an ego. A true bodhisattva transcends and goes beyond identification, limitation, Now, of course, what happens if we, with our limited thinking mind, with our rational mind, with our discursive thinking, examine statements like that? Very soon we latch on to the idea, so if it's not that, it must be something else. So there is something else. There is a state into which we transcend that fits into the limitations of that flat, two-dimensional mind. And of course, as we all know from our sitting practice and from the experiences of completely disappearing in Zazen and then completely reappearing. We know that the tool of the thinking mind, of the discursive mind, the tool that we call words as well, that all of those tools are not able 
to come close or to describe that what lies beyond duality. Even if we study the Buddhist scriptures and read about that sunyata, that emptiness of fixated self or identity, we fall into the trap of thinking, yes, there is delusion and then there is awakening. But by the mere thought of that, already we can see, we can know the limitations of that thinking because it only is able to express itself in that duality of this and that. Words are just words, empty shells without any life in it. The two-dimensional thinking mind is not able to discern and grasp that what is beyond duality. That is a very important lesson to learn and a very important approach to take when we practice Zen. What we learn through that is that whatever our opinions are, our judgments, the relativity of them and the limitation of the judgments, the opinions, and the thoughts, by seeing those limitations, the limits, we already know that they are not what is really there. Reality is beyond that two-dimensional, flat world. Sasaki Roshi, he would use the term Heimenjo, a flat face place two-dimensional, flat thinking of good and evil, of self and other, of this and that. Yet, on the other hand, we have to use some kind of tools to be able to communicate and to be able to share with our fellow human beings what we have learned from our practice, what countless generations and individuals before us have learned, what they have gone through, and how we ourselves can come to an understanding that is beyond that two-dimensional, flat, still, wordy understanding of what life and death are about. We have the teachings. We have the teachings of the Buddha captured through oral tradition in sutras and later contributions 
in the Wisdom Sutras, long texts and treatises by very wise and well-educated practitioners. And we even have that what Sasaki Roshi left us. Before he died, he wrote a book and he had it published about Tathagata Zen, trying to express in words the very basic foundation of his teaching. As we all know, Joshu Roshi is no longer with us. His experience, his life force, and anyone who met him will know what that life force was like. That is all gone. On the paper remain the words that he left us, that he left us to study. And in that context, we have to be very careful that we do not fall into the trap of taking the expression for the experience that the expression tries to convey. Zen teaches the Zen students not to just read the sutras, study the sutras, and try to use that as a key to unlock, or that that is a recipe that can lead you to the experience out of which that kind of understanding came. In fact, there is no recipe for any kind of awakening or any kind of predictable outcome in this practice or other practices that deal with the very asking of the questions that we as human beings have the existential questions. We'd all be very happy to have such a recipe. But once we understand that even if all the ingredients of that recipe are clearly elaborated and measured out and shown like a path that we should follow religiously. What we often forget to consider is that we ourselves are the main ingredient. Even though we are made up of the same atoms and molecules like other human beings or even like other substances, Every phenomenon, every person, every speck of dust in itself is unique. So bringing that uniqueness in accord with the understanding that although we are distinct and unique, 
that there is no inherent fixated self behind that is the study of Zen, of human existence, of what and how we are. Coming from the outside through words is certainly an approach. But sitting down, facing the inconceivable with determination, with discipline, and with passion, brings us outside, beyond the limitations of the two-dimensional mind words and thinking. And that is the place from which we can return and express it with the tools that exist inside that limited world. When you think about koan practice, looking at koans, you might say, these koans are just words. How is it that words have a place in this practice, in this tradition that says it is beyond doctrine and words? Kyoge Betsuden Furyomoji, a special transmission. And once we study koans, we can over and over repeat the very process that I have been talking about. Taking the words finding the core and making that core your own. Boring into that what is behind these words, these pointers and through consequent and diligent practice we will inevitably come to discernment, manifestation, and full understanding of what the koan is asking us about and how it is real and present and alive in our very lives. That is the first step. That is one phase of the activity of Dharma. From words transcending beyond words. Zen practice always asks us to be complete, to embrace both phases of the activity of Dharma. Therefore, in traditional koan practice, after having come to the core of the koan, 
after we experience and know exactly what it is about. We have to come back into the world of that limitation. And with an apt teacher, we work on finding and learning how to express it first through demonstration, manifestation, but then also in words, in words that are appropriate, in words that are illuminated from the inside out, from the outside in, and fully coming from the experience that we have gained through examining, introspecting, making the koan, becoming the koan. And then from words in the koan into the wordless realm, we return from the wordless realm into the realm of words, of expression. That is the path that the Buddha followed after he had his experience seeing the morning star for quite some time he was very reluctant to teach or to say anything about it because he deeply realized that words are not an adequate medium. But then where the Buddha manifested his bodhisattvahood is when he stepped back into that realm of words, into the realm of teachings, into the realm of sharing with all the other sentient beings who were still suffering. That is the full circle of the practice that the Buddha did. The practice that we as Zen students aspire to follow. And fast forwarding in time, when we look at our teachers who are no longer here, like Joshu Roshi, let us aspire to do what they did and live with the same dedication in this process of investigating reality, truth, the world, our lives, life and death, and come to the point where the teacher's words illuminate from our own light that we bring into the words when we read them, that we bring into the words and into the actions that we as individuals set in this world. Let us do it the same way the ancestral teachers did it. Which means we have to arrive at a point where what we say and what we do is authentic. And authentic from the very foundation of the experience 
of the most basic teachings of the Buddha, Shunyata. No self, no fixated identity, no fixated ego. Just being a commuter between the state of zero and the world of phenomena. It is the deepest and greatest teaching that any teacher could impart on his or her students.